Hey, podcast listeners, this is Joel. Just another quick disclaimer that in this episode, we were under the impression that the podcast would be called The Ripple Effect. It is actually called The Ripple. You're going to hear us call it The Ripple Effect a bunch of times. Hope that's not confusing. Let's get into it. Hey everybody out there in podcasting land, this is Joel Russo with the next episode of the Ripple Effect podcast. I'm joined by my co-host and good friend, Ian Zumbach. Hey, hey, hey. How you doing, Ian? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm excited about the topic today. Mm -hmm. Excited to be here. Mm -hmm. Why don't you tell the folks what they won? And by tell the folks what they won, I mean tell them what we're talking about today. Today we are talking about song ideas. Mm. Where do we get them? Where do they come from? How do we cultivate them? How do we grow them, water them, bring Pr- them, prune bring, them? Prune them. Mm. How, how do we bring them to become a beautiful plant that people can yeah. go eat the fruit off of them? This will double as a gardening podcast. Yes. Um, yeah, like we, we talked about this on our first episode a little bit, but just... I think it's really helpful to kind of know it's really helpful to kind of know that songs can come from anywhere. Yes. And that you never know you never know uh as soon as you think you got it figured out, as soon as you think you have a process, I think that usually ends up kind of getting turned on its head. At least I've found that. Absolutely. And I feel like as soon as you lock yourself into that box, you're just you then it becomes a straitjacket. There and, is inspiration all around there really mm-hmm. is um so i i agree yeah we just have to have our ears eyes hearts open yeah so yeah today we're going to talk about uh we're going to talk about five songs that we've each written individually and together and just kind of the stories of those songs they're not all crazy stories they're not some of them are kind of usual some of them are unusual uh, but we're going to kind of hopefully give you kind of a cross-section of what it can look like to to look for inspiration for songs um, and maybe, yeah, maybe uh, ignite a little spark of, of creativity in your own mind. Or maybe you're just feeling super down and you feel like you're never going to think of anything again and we will commiserate with you because sometimes it, it feels like that. But this these are the stories these right here are the stories of us pushing through that and uh, finding stuff that we think matters. Absolutely. So I think I'll start us off. Is that? Do it. Okay. Yeah. So the song that I wanted to talk about first, there's a song off of my album, The Table, that came out in February. It's a song called Manasseh. And it's it's a deep cut on the album, like a side B type of one, but but it derives its, its, its origin out of, uh, out of a, a, a chapter in Genesis where there's only a, just a few, just a few words, one sentence that talks about, um, talks about Joseph having a son and how he named his firstborn son Manasseh. And it, and it also says that Manasseh is, um, it means you've made me forget my troubles. Mm. And so I'd always love that idea. I'd love that idea that, that, that there's this representation of something that that made Joseph forget his troubles, and and I wanted to write a song about it. But if there's only one sentence <laughs> in the song, 
or I'm sorry, one one sentence to derive inspiration from. Where do you go from there? How do you yeah. create a song around that around that idea? Because sometimes in songwriting, you know this, you know there could be an idea, but it might just be like a, a line of a song. It doesn't necessarily. There might not be enough mm-hmm. there to create a song out of it. Yeah. So I went through a process of what I would call mining, mining after content because I felt that there was something to it. There's something that could be inspirational, something that could be personal. So on a very practical level, I invited two I invited two two writers in on a session. And actually it just kind of happened like in between recording actually. So I was mm. at a studio at Old Bear Studios and Chris Wasington and Jessica Crawford and I were just like taking a break from recording Murderer Messenger, which I'll talk about later in the podcast. But we were just kind of sitting around, we were talking, and I just started expressing how I wanted to write this song about this figure, Manasseh, and what it meant to me. And and being a student of the Bible and 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 reading in Scripture, in the Old Testament, there's a lot of Old Testament references um, that seem to point to Jesus, and I think scholars call them types, you know, types of, of Jesus. And I think the story of Joseph and of Manasseh even is sort of a type of of Jesus in his story that, you know, Joseph being brought out from, from a, a, a place of humbling circumstances and being appointed a, a place of, of prominence and influence and, and mm-hmm. authority. Um, but that almost that Manasseh was the representation of the church, you know, that, that, that as he forgets the troubles of his past, it says in the scriptures that, that for the joy that was set before Christ, he he dis, he despised the shame and endured the cross for the joy that was set before him, and that joy was 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 us, uh, the, the the church. And so, and so that song, I was like, well, let's let's kind of write it. You know, let's try to like dig into something here. The funny thing was like Chris Chris thought Manasseh was actually a um, like like a, a city, like mm-hmm. so he had this like really beautiful idea of like a chorus type of thing. And it was like Manasseh, I can't remember exactly the harmony, but he was basically saying, Manasseh, you're where I go to when, I, when I'm feeling, you know, when I'm feeling low or something. And and, <laughs> and it was beautiful, like the way he sang yeah. it. The way, and, it, and I could see like, it could have been like one of those like abstract kind of lyrics that you'd hear. Sure, yeah. And just like, you know, non-faith music. Cause it seems like faith music, like you have to be so clear and articulate. You mm-hmm. know, there's like this like almost like, like in, inability to step outside of that sometimes, you know, which yeah. I don't think, I don't think that that's, um, I don't think you, you, you have to do that all the time. You know, I think you can go to some places. So it was like almost like illustrating this really interesting kind of view of like going to this place. But, but then we discovered halfway through writing it, that it was actually, it was a child. It was <laughs> like, oh, wow, my mind is blown. But, but the idea behind the context of the song was I said, you know what? And I think I've maybe even had mentioned this in the context of another song that we'll talk about later. But, but the idea of, of, of that, you know, in in circumstances that are difficult, um, having hope and having faith, and having the see beyond the circumstances, knowing that something good, like as biblical hope, having the expectancy yeah. that something good is on its way, um, is part of the, the the walk of your Christian faith. But in some aspects you get to have and to hold something that is like a tangible proof and tangible evidence of God's grace in your life. And so Manasseh was that to, to me. It was like this this promise that 
Joseph had had in his heart that God was going to bring him through his troubles. Now he has a physical representation to remind him of that, but but there's a, a beautiful picture that this, this baby was actually holding back to him, and that to me said, as much as Joseph was trying to reach out yeah. and, and hold the promises of, of God near to himself, the promise was actually now headed, it was holding on to him. So, so, um, so that's what I wanted to say in the song, but man, that's a lot of heady, lofty kind of <laughs> content. How, yeah. do you, how do you dial that down and make that personal? And I found that really the way to make it personal is to sing it from Joseph's perspective. You know, it didn't have to be, obviously it's not gonna be sung from a baby's perspective, but it's gonna, gonna be sung through Joseph's perspective. So, so it, was, it was hard at first to navigate, like what do we want to say in this song? Because I think direction, like we've talked about in the other podcast, direction of a song has to be there. Otherwise, it just meanders around, and and and, yeah. and and what's the point of it, you know? Um, so, really, what we wanted to say in that song was, "You were made for more. You're made for more than 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 what you're living in right now. And there's more purpose for you. There's there's better days ahead. And so, walking through the the idea of Joseph first being betrayed by his brothers in the first verse, and then in the second verse, going through the part of the story where where Joseph is 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 um, uh, thrown into you know spoken there's lies spoken about him and 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 that sort of thing, but then bringing it to the chorus where he's it, he's saying, "I was made for more," and there's a promise that's just not letting letting go mm. of me, and so and having it sung from his perspective would be a very easy way from the first person for people to identify with, with those themes and, and feel personally um, uh, invested in the lyrical content, but also have it become something that really encourages them personally as well. So that's yeah. really the story behind, behind that song. Do you, um, do you feel, so it sounds like you had a pretty good idea of it, like you were talking about kind of having like a, uh, you know, a direction or, you know, like we're, you're moving in that, in that way or having like a North star <clears throat> pretty early on as far as telling it about, about this one person, about from this one perspective, how long, I mean, how long do you think it took you to, did, did this happen in a day or was this over Actually, it was more of a, it was a concept that I thought of about two years before we actually okay, wrote it. Okay, cool. So every time I tried to write it, it kind of felt like I was like on a, like, like on a lake, like fishing and I caught the fish, you <laughs> right. know, and I yeah. pulled it out of the water and it was just not big enough yet. <laughs> so I'd have to throw it back, throw it back and, and say yeah. like, okay, I need to come back to this and try to fish for it at another time. Have you time. ever heard that analogy used before? Yeah, I can't. I, I can't take credit for it. I heard Brenton Brown share it at a mm. conference about seven or eight years ago. That's great, but it stuck with me. I was that's like, a oh, really that's a, yeah. Really that's a very good picture. Mm. Cool. Well, um, let's uh, let's listen to Manasseh, and we'll talk about it more at the end. The memory's so clear; it's drawing me near back. To where it began I still feel the sting That heartache can bring I was sold by my brother's hands But I heard 
It's a very biographical song from from you know that perspective of of Joseph and Manasseh. Do you feel the line I I was just kind of zeroing in on was I was made for more. You know, is there anything in your own life that you felt? I know for me writing that song, I would probably feel like there was something I was envisioning about myself. You know that that I was being I was made for more. You know, or I was applying that to my own life. Was there anything in particular during the writing of that song? Sure, sure. I would say, um, 
I, I, I felt like, um, how do I, how to explain this? I, I guess, you know, as a creative and even in the process of writing and recording this album, you're still, you're still, uh, supplementing your income yeah. through, through different various means of, of work and different ways to do that. And so, you know, in your heart, you're like, oh man, I just want to be doing this full time and I could invest so much yeah. more into this. And I was made for more than just digging post holes and putting fence posts <laughs> in, you know, but, um, but actually I think even through that process though, like through the story of Joseph, even this, that's why I think this song is so personal to me is that there, those seasons are actually really good seasons that you're kind of positioned to, to actually find yourself where you might derive inspiration. You might not have the content, like really quality content to derive from through personal experiences as you're writing, but also, you know, if you follow and track the story of Joseph, if he wasn't, if he wasn't betrayed, if he wasn't falsely accused, if he wasn't put in prison, then he would have never met that guy who he told him what his dream meant, and then two years later get called up by the Pharaoh to interpret yeah. a dream and then be placed upon upon the throne of influence. So, so somehow deeply inside, he knew he had been made for more. And my personal faith story is so profoundly transformational that I knew at the moment that I came into relationship with Christ that that like okay, I was made for more than my, my, my life before. And I feel like some way I have a, an, an ability and I hope it's not sounding like, like weirdly grandiose or something like that, but you just <laughs> feel like, like you have the power to impact yeah. and influence others with yeah. this newfound faith that you have, whatever that that looks like. And if you don't feel like you have like full range of being able to express that and do that and you feel somewhat limited, but the, but the truth of it was, is that I wasn't limited. I was operating exactly where I needed to be because if I might meet somebody on a, on a fence yeah. installation job that, that I could share a word of encouragement with or share hope with or driving in an Uber and having an opportunity to meet people that way, then those are all, if I, if I, if I had full range of full release to, to write all the time, I wouldn't be interacting with those people. Mm. Yeah. I, I think I just, I forget who I was listening to an interview with somebody, but he was talking about the idea of kind of going to, he was an author, but he was talking about like, you have to live a life worth writing about, you mm -hmm. know, and, and how like you need to find experience. It's, it's not enough to go to a school and get a degree in writing. Right. And then it's not enough to build up your portfolio with whatever, or write this like a spec script or whatever. Like, Unless you have something that you're actually go trying to share, which comes through living, there isn't really a point, <laughs> right. you know, and like no one's going to want to hear what you have to say. Right. Yeah. That's great. Totally. Cool. Um, well, the first song I want to talk about was, is a Carrollton song. Um, this one's interesting. I think maybe unique in that I, I think of all the five songs here, we were actually kind of looking for a single when mm. we were writing this song. Um, and so the day that we started it, we were writing over at our friend Ben's house. Ben, uh, he plays in the band for King and Country. Okay. And he had, we had played a festival with them in Ohio, I think a couple of weeks before that. 
And um, so we were writing it, we were writing it with him and uh, it was me and Justin, our lead singer. And it was, uh, we had kind of split up and, and the other two guys had gone with another writer and, and it was the three of us. And Ben started the session with um, this drum beat. And he, he was, cause if you haven't seen Carrollton play our drummer, Michael is kind of this freak who basically just carries the other three of us on his back <laughs> all the time. And uh, as far as energy <laughs> and uh, being captivating to an audience, but he, he had been kind of inspired by that. And he was like, I'm seeing this as like a powerful side of you guys. So the song was started with a drum groove that he was kind of inspired by our live show, but I was a few weeks removed and Michael wasn't even in the room. It's amazing. <laughs> you know? And so like, that's kind of where it started. So it was a really, you know, kind of an abstract, almost arbitrary, like start for the song. I didn't start in any kind of truth necessarily, or like idea as far as song ideas, you know? Um, but it started it, lyrically, then it started, we started talk, kind of talking. And again, you know, so we're thinking, all right, we want like a CCM single. So we're looking for something like a pretty broad truth. We're looking for something that's uh, very accessible and something that people can kind of see their own story in. And so I th we ended up the, the coming up with this chorus. I really liked the verses. The verses were kind of chanty. And uh, it was just about we we I think we may have even just mapped out the the promises of God. All right, what has God promised us? You know, mm -hmm. and then so the verse goes, "I know you hear me, even when my voice runs out. Every whisper, every shout, I know you hear me. You forgive me, uh, even when I've lost my way. I forget exactly the words, <laughs> but um, yeah. So He promises that He'll forgive us. He promises that He'll always hear us. Um, and then the chorus was this. It was kind of like a, it, it was the hymn. It was uh, on Christ the Solid Rock I Stand. It was kind of like a version of that. That yeah, was like our yeah. chorus idea. Um, I think it was, it went like this. It went, when I can't find a place to stand, when all the ground is sinking stand, holding on, da -da 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 -da. and it was like the promises of God. Like that was the, anyway, that was the chorus and it was, and I remember not loving it and it was, we were kind of massaging it, you know, and, and trying to figure out how it worked. And then as we kept writing, I forget exactly what happened because then we kind of switched other people might've come in of the other guys that were writing and we wrote this bridge that we really liked. And it was now, now this is like the high point of the song and the, the bridge, you know, it was going to go up into this, I'm holding on to what you said. And it was this really big kind of moment that we all really loved. And so I remember Justin singing the demo of it and thinking like, man, that's really good. We we have to match the bridge now, you know, with that. And so, or we have to, you know, get the chorus good enough to match how good that bridge is. Right. And so then we finished it. So the song was was done. It had a verse one, verse two chorus and a bridge. And Ben was working on the demo for it. And, uh, I think he finished the demo for it. <clears throat> he sent it in. At this point we were on tour 
with a, with somebody, I don't remember who, but we were, oh, we were, yeah, we were on tour in, with Unspoken in Connecticut. And uh, I remember that day. And uh, we, we were listening to it and we were like, that bridge is like so slamming. Like, what if we just took that and made that the chorus? Like, it kind of says everything we wanted it to say, you know? And so we're trying to figure out how it would work. And like right at that moment, not that moment, but like later that day, I think we got an email from John Mays, who's our A&R guy uh, at our label. And for, for those of you who are unfamiliar with that level of lingo, uh, your A&R guy <laughs> is, uh, stands for uh, artists and repertoire. Mm. And uh, they're basically kind of in charge of trying to of picking the songs that you're going to record and making and trying to curate the songs that you're going to put on your album that they're going to push to radio, all that stuff. So, how many people do you think are going to email John Mays after this podcast? Uh, oh man, hopefully so many. I'll give you his email. <laughs> it's uh it's his email is Mays Mays Mays. <laughs> With a M-A-Z-E in there. Yeah, right. <laughs> the last one is M-A-Z-E. Um, and, and he had emailed us and he had said, hey, what if that bridge was the chorus? Mm. And they, he had kind of thought of it the same exact time that we had without any communication. Wow. So we're like, oh, sweet. This is perfect. So Ben, ben, re, ben cut and pasted the bridge in place of the chorus, sent that, and then he did this new, he just made up this new bridge. Which was kind of the hymn, which was, When I can't find a place to stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And it was really like, and it was just this really kind of low moment. It was the opposite of what that other bridge was, you know. So mm. that, so it was really, thematically it flipped. And then now the bridge was this huge thing. The chorus, sorry, I'm mixing up the... <laughs> Because it switched so many yeah, times, yeah, yeah. but the now the chorus was this huge thing, and now the bridge was this like this little kind of rest in the middle of the song, and that just seemed to suit it really well. And so Ben Ben made up the whole bridge right there, and right up until we recorded it, I think we had his voice on it until we re-recorded it for the actual album. So it started as this drum beat that was kind of inspired by our drummer, and then it ended, and then it went into the song and it was based on this hymn and then we wrote the bridge and we all liked it and then it got flipped and then Ben made up the one by himself. So it's, it was just really this kind of complicated roadmap to this song, but we all really like how it came out and we, we really in, enjoy playing it live now. We've been playing it live for a few months and it, and it, it's been good and people, people seem to really dig it. And the, obviously the drums are, Awesome. He's awesome. He like stands <laughs> up and plays. He's like a he does. really unique drummer. Yeah. He lost his drum throne years ago and he's just never bought another one. Amazing. It's so <laughs> cool. Well let's give the song a listen. Yeah. I'm 
that love that drum performance i mean right off the bat just <laughs> driving it's pure rock fury pure rock fury um but you know actually one question i had so in in christian music genre there are times where we'll like you said you'll you'll derive inspiration from an old hymn and incorporate mm-hmm. an aspect of it yeah. like how how did you guys find as a as as a group of writers to do it in a way that that was like uh, tasteful because it works really well in that in that bridge, you know, the nod back to the hymn. But sometimes, yeah. sometimes it can be almost like um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, I guess like, like awkward, like awkward, yeah. or like 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 a, just like a go to that doesn't need, really need to go there. But in this case, it works really, really well. Yeah, I mean, I think we, like I said, we had we had come up with a different way of saying it beforehand. That was the old chorus, and then Ben totally just kind of wrote the original hymn, like kind of almost word for word. Right. But the thing that had changed was the dynamics. If that if that bridge had been like that, those same words, but it had been this big, like aggressive. Sure, sure. Dynamic thing. It would have been, uh, I think then it would have felt a little more shoehorned in there. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it would have felt a little more like, oh, well, they're just taking 
they're just taking that hymn and they're just throwing it in their song. We've heard that a hundred times. Right. But I think, I think in his, in his, in again, the the dynamics of it, I feel like that was a really smart decision because it, it focuses the energy of the song right on that phrase. Mm. Um, when I can't find a place to stand, all other ground is sinking sand. It's a great little melody too. Mm. And so, yeah, I, th- I think that was why it worked. Yeah. You know, it, it wasn't, it was, it was creating this little pocket that was in its nature kind of introspective sure. and different than the rest of the song. And I think that totally lent itself to it working. And do you find when you, when you do it live, do you, do you see like even people that probably were more inclined to growing up with hymns, do they seem to like really respond to that to that aspect of the song when you do it live? I have no idea. No idea. Okay. <laughs> not for that one. Okay. Not for that one part in specific. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, I'm... Well, thank you for being honest. That's <laughs> That song in particular takes a lot of uh, brain power or a lot of attention. Yeah. For especially guitar playing for me, so I'm doing a lot of stuff on that song. So I think I I don't know. I haven't paid attention to that one part. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm just gonna say yes, but you're just too focused on making sure you yeah. you're playing your licks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sweet licks. <laughs> Those sweet sweet licks. All right, let's run through uh, your second one over here. Sure. Murderer, a messenger. Murderer, a messenger. Also off of your. February release, The Table. Yes. Well, this song, the reason I wanted to talk about it is I think during some artists' careers, they they uncover an aspect of their sound or their style that, that comes through a song <clears throat> that sets a trajectory yeah. for the rest of their, for at least a season of their career. I was listening to James Taylor, like one of James Taylor's earlier albums, and I was surprised that some of like the, the music that was on it, like almost went in the direction of like Van Morrison and stuff. I was like, oh, you know, this is, it's beautiful. It's incredible. But he's, he's still like looking for yeah. like, aspects of his son and discovering it. And so for Murder or Messenger was that, has really been that song I can pinpoint, put my finger on and say, wow, this really started to set the trajectory yeah. as, a, as a creative, at least as a personal artist and my person, the personal, personally, the music that I want to create and want to write. And, um, and so the way that the way that we wrote that song, that did start with the actual title, uh, that doesn't always happen. But that song started with the title. Yeah. I knew I wanted to write a song uh, with that title. What that looked like, I don't know. But I knew just the 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 the, the name of it, that the aesthetic of it had to be kind of gritty, you know. And there yeah. was a tension in writing it because having having been writing so frequently. Uh, songs that could be sung in a congregational sense in a church or trying to write in that style. It's like, well, mm. where does this find its place really? You know, because right now I want to write in a style of um, something that sounds more like White Stripes or Zeppelin-esque, you know, mm-hmm. and it's riffing <laughs> than something that sounds more like, um, I don't know, Chris Tomlin or something like that. And so, so there's this... Sometimes I think yeah, as writers, we, we just need somebody else in the room that like helps aid and give permission to go to a place yeah. writing-wise. Because it's kind of like being on the edge of a cliff like before you jump into like a, like one of those natural water reservoirs where you know you, you walk three miles into a, 
into a, an area where there's like cliff jumping and stuff. And there's got, there's always that one person that's willing to like jump right in, but you're like, you need to see them do it first before <laughs> you do it, you know? And that song was like that. And, and I had to like really talk myself into being like, okay, this is the riff that I came up with for it. This is the title of the song. And we're wrestling with the lyrical content. We're wrestling with it till finally we just agreed. And it was, I was writing with Jessica Crawford. I said, let's just totally, let's just let go. And let's yeah. just literally just speak from the heart. Like if I was just writing this yeah. as like a song I was gonna sing in a bar, what would I say? Yeah. And how would I talk? I heard the Avett brothers say one time that you should you should write your lyrics, at least if it's if it's a, a lyric that's for your own artistry. Sometimes it's easy to write just like you would talk because it sounds natural. So so I feel like the first verse of that song it came so naturally to me because it's how I would talk about that particular mm. that particular thing. And so the direction of that song was inspired by my my work with Celebrate Recovery in the Northeast. And just seeing, like, I wanted to write a song for that would like hit the middle class worker, you know, like I was, like a guy that's like just worked ten hours or twelve hours on a fence installation site, you know, and he's, you know, what he's looking forward to that night might be CSI Miami or something in a pizza, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like sounds that's, good, that's, you know, it's yeah, it actually sounds great, but, but. um but yeah, I didn't want to get lofty. I don't want to get too wordy, but I want yeah. to speak in a way that, that that it could hit the guy in a prison cell and he'd be like, mm. man, I relate to this big that's time. That's a great, that's a great, I, I almost feel like I'm reducing what it is by calling it a technique, but that's a great technique as far as like just finding what like you, what would you say in that moment? Because there's so many times where I think, I, I do that when I'm like, all right, what do I want to say with this verse? Well, I want to say, and then I say it in my own words, you know, and I, and I rarely stop to, right. to think like, well, what if that was it? What if that was the way I worded the song, you know? Hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's and it great. There's a, a technique. I mean, there's a technique to yeah, our songwriting yeah. for sure. Yeah. And the more we, the more we do it, the more it becomes, yeah. uh, I guess I call like what we're doing, at least, at least with my, my, my album, it's like polished grit, you know, in a way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because we've talked about this. There's edges on it and there's yeah. There's like almost, uh, you know, wording in it. Like I want a song, Brother to Brother, where I'm saying, Peter, when you talk, you talk a good game. That's not a song you'd expect to hear in a Christian song, but something I might say to somebody on the street that I'm having an issue with. Yeah. I'm like, man, you're talking a good game, but you're not backing it up. Hmm. Why not put that in a song? Yeah. Because it's going to relate to the listener that I'm trying to, to reach, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, we can we can definitely get lost in flowery language. Yeah. Especially especially in Christian music, but I think just yeah, I think just nowadays in general we're we're used to making things sound a certain way. They they either have to sound like they either have to sound like perfect or they have to sound like uh they're really old. Mm. We have to almost purpose. I think sometimes we purposefully kind of sound archaic, which is kind of silly if you think about it. Sure. <laughs> or sometimes just, I mean, there are cases where some some artists just don't make sense at all. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've yeah. talked about that too. Yeah. It's true. But cool. Well, yeah, let's let's listen. Uh, let's listen to it.
I've been breathing violence And I've been speaking lies I've been chasing demons That make my mother cry I've been drinking poison And I've been cursing God Quick to place the blame on and slow to admit my wrongs But you made a murderer a messenger
I remember, I think I told the story on our live roundtable mm. thing for your album, but um, I remember you sending me that song. I w- we were in the middle of writing another song for Carrollton for that same album. And uh, I remember you sending me that song, and I kind of left the room to like listen to it a little bit. And I was thinking, what? Wh- I was like, what have you done? You, you you were like, this is the new single, I think, at that point. And I was just thinking like, because at that point, your other stuff had been pretty like accessible or pretty commercial. And it wasn't, and we didn't write like that. We we wrote like, we wrote all over the place, the songs that we wrote. Sure. Um, so I knew that you, you had more going on than that. But uh, I remember you sending me that and then, here thinking like this is your single, <laughs> like, right? This is entirely different than anything else you've done, you know. Um, and I, I, I don't know how I felt about it because it was just so. It was I was using a different part of my brain than 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 I thought I would be, you know, listening to your music. But I think then as I heard the other songs, then it started to make way more sense. And sure. I was like, oh, okay. And then I was really excited because it was like this is more this more accurately represents you, you know, as a person now sure. that the, the work did. And I thought that was awesome. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, all right. My next song, uh, the second song I want to talk about is a song called run. Um, and it's, it's kind of a special song for me. I assume it is for Trent. Trent Monk is the guy that I wrote it with. Um, and for, it's the kind of the lead off single and the, uh, we actually named the album after a line in the song. Mm. Um, but we, we had never written before and I don't, we may have never met before, but, uh, a mutual friend gave me his number and said, Hey, Trent's looking to write songs. I think it was even for a Christmas song, which, didn't end up happening at all, <laughs> but I went over to his house and we sat down and we just, we had never met and, and, and we just started kind of talking, talking it through, just talking about, you know, we, we had both, I had very recently moved that, you know, down from new right. England and, and, and he, he had somewhat recently moved, not that recently, but he was from Texas and um, so Nashville was still, I think, a little bit new for him. And uh, we kind of bonded over this idea of of being, I don't know, of kind of being looked at as a fool. Right, right. <laughs> Maybe from like the people that we kind of left at home. Sure. Which I think a lot of people can relate to, not just in terms of moving to Nashville, but but just in general, but we just, we ended up with just with this really cool energy in it. And, uh, I think we finished it that day and it was really like, this just got some really cool imagery on it. We've, we finished it in like maybe an hour and a half or two hours. It starts off talking about chasing lightning. Yeah. Mm. That was it. Something, but fr- yeah, brave, but frightened yeah. chasing lightning a thousand miles from where I was born or where I'm from. All I took with me were the clothes that could fit me and enough ambition to rope the sun. 
And uh, Man, what a line. And it's really like, it seems kind of lofty, but it was really, like, it, it really f- was kind of how we felt in that moment. It was great because it, it was, there was no expectation sure. of anything that song was going to be at that point. We were just, we were just meeting each other. So we were just kind of writing a song for whatever it was. We talked about, hey, are we just going to write a song for whatever? And that's what we were doing. And so we ended up with this verse and then this pre-chorus that says, if you want to find where you belong, sometimes you got to take the long way home. And uh, and then we went back to another verse. And then, so then we ended up with this chorus that is, that I, I really love. And it one of the things I love about it is that it kind of takes so long to get to. Sure. Um, so we were just kind of feeling it. And, and we weren't thinking of generally when you write songs, you know, especially if you're writing it for an artist, which is, you know, ostensibly for him. You know, it's like, all right, you got your intro, your verse, your chorus, your verse, your chorus, bridge. And this ended up being like verse, pre-chorus, verse, pre-chorus, chorus, pre-chorus, chorus. <laughs> so yeah. like the chorus hits probably like a, a a minute 40 into the song or something. And then it goes back to a short pre-chorus again or double pre-chorus and then back into that chorus. So it's really kind of in two halves, but it – but kind of emotionally it was really kind of special because we were we were just kind of bonding over this idea of like they feel kind of crazy like we we decided to go and and chase this dream and even in the song there's a line why haven't you found that pot of gold how we feel sometimes a little bit going off and maybe people with maybe maybe more stable jobs or Futures, sure. Uh, kind of thinking that about about us. It's risky um, business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. Uh, and so, anyway, the the idea of the song is it's called "Run," and the chorus ends by saying, "Where it says some days I feel like Moses running on and on through the wilderness, but the fire that burns within me carries on." Talking about getting to the promised land, and all I have left to do is run. And so he says, all I have is the race before me, leading me to the promised land. And all I have left to do is run. And uh, it was just, it's one of the most, kind of the simplest ideas I think that I've ever tried to like make a, a song around. But the, that idea, this really simple idea was just like, and it was a little based off of Paul, the apostle Paul's like running the race. That right. idea of it, it was definitely in there. Um and we were, we were, as far as giving it some kind of biblical truth a little bit, other than the Moses reference. Sure. <laughs> but like that that was really how we felt in that moment. It was this kind of like, all I have left to do is run. We've made the move. Hmm. You know, I've decided this is what I'm going to do. We've moved our families. We've chosen the path, basically. And there are a, a million other variables. But in that moment, it was just like, all I have left to do is do it. I feel like we kind of captured that in the song. This ended up being we decided to just track this song just for fun which led to this whole 11 song wow. album <laughs> it was just it was just starting with this song um and it, it was, took over a year to do because it was we neither of us were in the same state for a lot of those months so we ended up calling the album naming that album after the uh that pre-chorus which is called the long way home so even in the making of the album it felt like the long way home <laughs> Wow. But yeah, it was a really cool experience and I still really enjoy it. And I like how kind of different it is. It's not a, the the form isn't very conventional. The, 
imagery isn't super conventional, you know, and uh, and it's got some really cool production elements in it that I really, yeah, we had a really hard, really fun time making. So yeah, I can attest to that. Just just hearing it, I love it. And yeah, I, and I. Miles the cat. Is yeah, do we want to acknowledge? Hey, we we have Miles yeah. the cat in the hey, studio. Miles. Everybody, Miles says hey. But but it's such a song for creatives. You know, people have taken that step into like a creative yeah. direction. You know, <clears throat> stepping out, and following your dreams. It's, I just love that. Love the song. Yeah, that's, that's how it feels for sure. Yeah, well, let's grab a listen. Frightened, I was chasing lightning a thousand miles from where I'm from. All I took with me were the clothes that would fit me and enough ambition to rope the sun. If you want to find where you Sometimes you've got to take the long the next round I will find my promised land I know if you want to find where you belong sometimes you've got to take the long way home some days I feel like Moses wandering on
Man, and the thing I, I really, really love about that song too is, so we've talked about in songwriting sometimes where the, the, the content is going to dictate the sound and the aesthetic of, mm-hmm. of like the chord, chord choices and, sure. and the, the tempos and the different <clears throat> things. And when I hear the song, I mean, it, what it reminds me of in, in, a, in a way, and I hope this doesn't sound the wrong way, but it, it, it puts a picture in my mind of like somebody that's like going across the frontier, like, like yeah. going to try to find new territory, new land and know yeah. that there's like a promised land up ahead. And so to me, just like as a writer, that that really, I think it's an awesome thing that you guys did to not only capture the lyrical content, but but then also to have the chord choices and the tempo and the things that make it feel like yeah. I'm on an adventure with these people. That's I don't, totally, and we're yeah. Heading, we're heading. I'm really, I'm psyched that you, yeah, that you, that you, that you get that because that's totally what it was. Like mm-hmm. that's totally what we felt. And, and that's why it became the basis for that project was we're like, man, we have such a specific kind of vision for how we want this to sound, you know. We, and basically, <clears throat> yeah, we basically stopped short of using like whips. Wow. You know, like, whoosh, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, sounding like one of these big, like almost like a spaghetti Western kind of thing. But like, yeah, that's how it felt. Like it wanted to feel like, yeah, setting it like driving on a highway or walking even, you know, like across New Mexico or something, like out and in, in, into the mountains or whatever. And the know? cool cool thing is that in you know, knowing Trent and I know him a little bit and yeah. is that as writers too, it, it there's a there's a there's a scripture that says out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Yeah. And knowing Trent and 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 his wife uh, haven't met her, but we're just following yeah. what they're doing. They're adventurous people. They're like yeah. they literally just sold everything and they're yeah. out on tour. Yeah, as of this album, <laughs> so they're like on an adventure. So as of this recording, we're playing our first show of this tour with them tomorrow night, and they just like got rid of all their stuff and they're gonna buy an RV and they're just they got two kids and they're Man. going for it. Yeah, they're doing it. Yeah, that that song's a pretty good. <laughs> It's a pretty good theme song for their stage of life right now. Absolutely, as a family. Yeah, awesome. I, I can't wait to hear what they write after after this whole. I know. Thing, yeah, you know? yeah. Um, well, this brings us to our last song, which we wanted to. Uh, we figured there was this one song that we had both been a part of. Yes, our buddy Weston Skaggs uh, had brought us both in to, to write this song that I remember it being, it was a really cool write. Yeah. <laughs> and I had just met him that day, and we started writing this song. And I feel like it was like off to a decent start. Yeah. And it was, and it was, it was it's called Out of the Wreckage. And, and that, I think he just kind of came with that phrase, if I remember correctly. Right. He might have had some chords. Read, read it in like a devotional or something. Yeah. Oswald Chambers. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and, and that line stuck out to him. But yep. Yeah, you're right. He came with that line, and so he, so he came with that line, and we're talking about that, and we're kind of building like a chorus out of it, or, or I think the verse came first, but it, it was like halfway through, he kind of just stopped and and told us what he was kind of drawing from, which is that his wife had come very close to dying, right, in childbirth, right. And Weston's a nurse, and so he is he a nurse or like a yeah he is so, yeah. he is yeah, and he so he kind of like knew what was going on 
like he, the doctors were telling him certain things and he was like kind of knew what they were saying and they were trying to like calm him so down. So he, and, yeah, they were trying to calm him down, but he kind of knew, understood what was going on, maybe a little better than most people did. And uh, yeah, he was like, anyway, so he told us this whole story, which was, we probably took like 20 minutes, which was the most harrowing. Sure. <laughs> and out of it, his wife survived and, and their daughter, I think, uh, came out of it. Yes. You know, and then they've I think they've adopted since. Yeah, they've adopted two children yeah. since. Um but this was was this pre-adoption? This was pre-adoption. Yeah. And yeah. so it was re- so this was still very fresh. somewhat yeah. <laughs> recent. And so that I remember the rest of the song not necessarily coming easier after that story, but <clears throat> just having so much more significance and being like, "Oh my goodness, like I get now this every every lyric is now kind of kind of charged with this new energy, right? And that that was pretty. I remember that being uh, a pretty intense, some pretty intense feelings. Yeah, that was one <laughs> of the first times I, I can ever remember being involved in a co-writing session where we felt like we were stewarding something yeah. much bigger than ourselves. For me, anyway, personally, I felt like totally every word needs to count on this because mm-hmm. if he's Entrusting us and invited us into yeah. to be a part of something so personal like this, then man, we need to like we need to fight for the best possible song that we can we can yeah. we can we can have serving him. It that's totally how it felt, and because it, it was crazy personal, yep. <laughs> it was interesting being part of a song that you realized that it was on this incredibly personal level like kind of halfway through writing it we kind of we still kept a bunch of stuff from before we knew that um but that was pretty that was pretty wild and cool yeah it was really that stands out it's one of my one of my favorite yeah favorite writing sessions yeah all right let's listen to out of the wreckage my dreams for this life lie in shambles around and my heart is overrun The thieves lie in wait and the wolves they surround But I know, Lord, I know That I'm not alone in this fight And out of the wreckage I'll rise The battle may rage but my hope is in Christ And out of the wreckage I'll rise Well a new day is dawning The war isn't over But I won't turn tail and run From the chaos within Or the babble around Cause I
man, I love that song. And the interesting thing about it, it's another full circle moment, is that that was the first song that an artist outside of the Brothers McClurg was brought in to record at Old Bear Studios and became mm. the first, technically the first thing that was produced and, and, and released through Old Bear of any artist. So man. the fact that we were a part of that way back when, it's, yeah. it's pretty cool. It is really cool. They're doing some really cool work up there. Um, do you remember the you know the URL off the top of your head? Just look up Old Bear Records. They're making some yeah. making some really cool music with a variety of different artists. Yeah, if that you go, sounds different. If you go to their website, it's just oldbearrecords.com. But then I think their their Facebook and the and the Instagram tags are just at Old Bear Records. Sweet. Well. Thanks for talking. Yeah, thanks, thanks, buddy. I'm glad that Miles joined us today. Too. Like <clears> he's still there. Addition. He's standing. Be- he's sitting behind you. He's like a senior, like executive producer. You know. Yeah, he's sure. he's making sure that the quality doesn't doesn't dip. I think as long as we talk about food and about naps and a little he's, catnip. What do they call it? Catnip. Catnip. He does. He doesn't do the catnip. No. No. He's he's pretty straight edge. As you could tell by looking at them, I'm sure most people can probably tell. So that about does it. Thanks, everybody, for checking this podcast out and staying on this long. Yes. And if you are on Instagram, be sure to follow The Ripple Effect at the handle the ripple effect underscore show. Again, that's the ripple effect underscore show. Be sure to follow us, send us a message, tell us what we're doing right. And I'll tell you, we also have a YouTube channel where we're uploading every episode of our live video series that airs monthly on the Old Bear Records Facebook page. So be sure to check that out, subscribe to that YouTube channel, and uh, be sure to rate us. Rate us on this podcast. Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to tell you how many stars, but it rhymes with hive. And alive. Uh, thrive. Jive. <laughs> couple of veteran song masters here. All right, well, make sure you tune into that. Again, make sure you check it out on YouTube, and we'll see you next time. As we say every week here at The Ripple Effect, plop, 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 plop little little pebbles. pebbles.